This is our all-age service. If you didn't know, so there's no kids' work today, youth work. No, what are we going to do, kids? Ah, never mind. It's going to be fun, hopefully, he says. So last all-age service, I kind of talked about families, didn't I? So I don't know if the uh, PowerPoint will come up. There it is, just so that I remind myself and you know uh, what it is as well. And I looked at our church family and I said how awesome our church family is. I gave a little bit of personal kind of feedback on how awesome uh, I think the the church family has been for me and my family recently. Um, I also talked about uh, a guy called Cousin Eddie. We've always got these kind of like people in our families that are a little bit, yeah, wish they weren't in our family, but we still got to love them kind of thing. And that could be you. Or it could be me uh, in our church family as well. You know, there's the, <laughs> I'm not going to go there because we need to forgive and love. Um, but also I said that actually what I wanted to talk about this time round was how God wants to grow his family. Not just through other people from other church joining our church, but people joining his kingdom because they've been saved. Freshly saved into his kingdom. And how we are the agents to do that, from the youngest to the oldest. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Um, How do we do that is kind of a big question. There's a little bit of a clue as to where I'm going this morning. This is Gary doing an all-age service, second one in after being away for a while. And it might include us stopping at some point and eating some food. There's down the front here from the worship band who really are hungry, who've been here early. Bless you for doing that. So there might be involving some food. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and coffee. Yeah. And maybe tea. Yeah. And maybe some squash. Hot squash for those that are feeling a little bit ill this morning. Uh, hot squash is genius, by the way, just saying that. Put it out there. Prefer blackcurrant. I'm rambling now. I'll stop. How do we do that? Well, I came across this book years ago when I was training for missional leadership called Prayer Evangelism. And it's so good. I've actually got some ring marks of coffee and tea that I've placed on it as I've kind of fingered through it. Um, it's by a guy called Ed Silvoso, uh, a South American uh, uh, evangelist, uh, preacher, teacher, pastor, <laughs> roll it all into one. And, and it's to how to change the spiritual climate over your home, neighbourhood and city. They did this in South America and saw an explosion of Christians uh, coming to know people, coming to know the Lord. And, and he basically put into this book... And I had, to, I had to buy a new book because I lost my other one. I'd placed it somewhere, something I can't remember. But there's some stuff in here that has just been gold dust for me. I know for a lot of people in actually how Jesus wants to grow the kingdom family. Not how we've kind of said, well, we think we should do it this way. There's a brilliant part in scripture, which we're going to look at this morning, of how Jesus wants to do it. It's like his manifesto. It's how he has planned it. It's how he has strategized uh, how we reach people. And I love it, as you can tell. Some of you will probably have heard me talk on this passage before. Please forgive me. Uh, I'm going to do it again. So... Let's have a little look, see if this is going to work. Okay, so 
children, forget the adults, all right, for a moment. Children, can you guess what Bible passage I'm going to read from? You'll love it when you see it. Can you guess? What's he doing? I'm going for the children first, KT. What's he doing? Oh, you're going to need some... What's he doing through the binoculars? Yes. Yes, he's looking. So we're looking at... Luke, thank you. See what I did there. Come on. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. You didn't get it, but it's Dad Joke City this morning, all right? But it's Dad Joke City, all right? (laughs) So, so we've got Luke 10. Excellent. See? Fantastic. Roman numeral. Yeah, no, no. Some of us are just like, oh, my goodness me. I bet you've never seen a Bible passage. Normally, you'd have like a big brown thing with what the passage was going to be. No, no. We've gone, we've gone. uh, Yeah, forward. So Luke 10, right? This Luke 10, for me, has been one of the best Bible passages personally for how I look to evangelise, how I look to reach people. And and I think, actually, um, it's based on what Jesus has said. It's intentional. So I'm going to read it. Luke 10, 1 to 9. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse, a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. I love that line. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Now, I'm going to flesh that out a little bit this morning. Uh, I think it's a brilliant passage of scripture. I think it's a really simple passage of scripture of how Jesus tells us to reach people. So he's sending out 72 disciples to go ahead because Jesus is then going to be coming to these towns and everything else. And we know what happens when Jesus goes to villages and towns. There are, there are many people that are healed and, and, and you know, people are fed and everything that kind of goes on there. It's amazing. But he's sending out these 72, not the 12. These are the others that are kind of looking at and going... So actually, what I would say is this, this is this, the church. I call it the 72, which would be the church, as it were, going out. He says, don't take any sandals. Anybody got their sandals on this morning? Good. Um, no sandals and no purse. So they're not reliant on themselves. They're going to be reliant on the good will and the kindness of these people of peace. Okay. Um, so no, that people would have seen no sandals, no money. Um, in Matthew 10, uh, there's a similar uh, kind of passage as well. It said, like, you'll go out amongst wolves, right? You'll be sheep 
going out like amongst wolves. And in Matthew 10, there's a passage, part of uh, Matthew 10, um, where he gives similar instruction to his 12 disciples, but he also gives him gives them this kind of little thing that they should do as well. Does anybody know what it is? I've said it many times to most youth leaders and young people as I kind of like give my excuse for what I do in life. Anyone know? Shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. Jesus said that to his 12 disciples, to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen. So I mean, there's, a, there's something here that Jesus has got this kind of plan. Um, and, and for me, what a snake does is a snake is looking out for its prey, but also aware of kind of what's going on around him, especially from possibly the sky that's going to come down and get it. Okay, so a snake is kind of like looking out for prey, looking out, just being aware, being shrewd, just kind of like, and then a dove is just completely innocent, just pure, and, and that's how he was kind of saying to the disciples to go out as well. So, um, there's a bit in there as well, it says a worker is worth his keep. So at the time, there would have been like, I've got to go and do some, I'm going to go and work for these people, and as I work for these people, they're going to feed me. Bit of a, I know most of us just want to go around someone's house and just say, feed me. Um, but there might be times when you've kind of helped someone decorate their house or clear a garden and, that, and someone else does a barbecue and you just think, yeah, you know, I'll feed you because you've done some great work. That's the kind of thing that was going on at the time. They would have been working in the fields, etc. Um, so that was the custom at the time. Um, now then, see if you're going to get this one. There it is. Luke 10 tells us to find a man of peace. Sorry. Not peace, but peace. <laughs> I was having fun doing this. Let's put it that way. Our character needs to be peaceful. Okay? But we also need to find people that are also of peace. They're chilled out. Life doesn't throw massive big issues and problems their way. But they're just kind of like, yeah, come on in. Um, and in Jesus, in Matthew 11, Jesus actually says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And this being the person of peace isn't just like, yeah, man, I'm just chilled out. This is really cool. It's a deep core thing. Okay. Shalom is the Jewish word for peace. And Shalom's definition, what it means, is peace, harmony, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. That's a lot more than just, you know, just one word, peace. There's something, it's about the depth of the person, the character. So the first part of this, actually, what Jesus is telling them to do, it brings blessing when you, when you are a person of peace to someone, when you find someone that is a person of peace, actually what it does, it opens a door to fellowship. Okay? It opens a door to fellowship. And these are the kind of things we need to be thinking out about as we uh, reach people. Now, this next bit. Food. <laughs> 
fellowship. Okay, um, in a minute we are literally going to stop the service and eat and drink. Because I believe Jesus is intentional in what he's doing here. So we need to be intentional as well to learn those kind of things. We need to stop. Jesus has a thing about food. He has a thing about meals. Throughout the gospel, we see him eating with people. Zacchaeus, there's a barbecue on the beach with his disciples. The Last Supper, talked about a great banquet in heaven. And in Matthew eleven nineteen, it says, For John came, this is what Jesus is saying, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton because he hung out with people eating and drinking. I'm not saying that he was a drunkard or a glutton. That's what people said he was. I'm sure that Jesus, we know, the Gospels wasn't like that. But it was who he was hanging out with. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the unsavoury sinners. Eating together is a really vital part of life. We need to eat food. But it makes us stop. It makes us stop what we're doing. We have to eat. In Israel, um, when we were there, a a few of us, we we stayed at a kibbutz. It was a really exciting time. It was just like this whole community of people that would just live together, work together, eat together, share life together. And it was just like, I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved being in that community, being with the people from this church that would stop and eat with these other people. They put on this full spread for us and we watched the sunrise over the Moab mountains. It was like, this is just awesome. I come home to my Western way of doing things and and we eat together as a family occasionally and otherwise it's just plonked on my lap in front of the TV. That's what we tend to do in the West. (laughs) Whereas people stop, they have intentionality about eating. And Jesus was really keen on this. And what this does is this second part of fellowship, when you start eating together, it starts to establish trust. You really get to know what people are going through when you're eating. They start sharing stuff. You know, we say to the kids, what happened this week? Not much. Standard response from a teenager and an older lad. That's what happens. But actually, as we continue to eat, then things start to come out. They start to talk, start to open up. And it's really important because then you you build this trust. And we're talking here about people that don't know Jesus, that they will trust because of the fellowship that you have. So what I want us to do now is stop. And I want us to have a time where we just fellowship together. We've done it before, many years ago, and I like throwing things out here and there that just make us think about what you're hearing, okay? So I want you to discuss as well, what's your favourite meal? I love a lasagna, okay? Uh, When and what was the most memorable meal you ever had? And whilst you're doing that, I think there's going to be some pastries that are going to be brought out. Grab yourself a coffee and a tea from the back there 
and we're just going to have a time of fellowship, and then after that we're going to sing, and all the crumbs and everything will go everywhere, which will be fantastic. So just for, you know, it's going to be a little bit chaotic, a little bit messy for the next 10 minutes or so. Fellowship, be intentional, meet up with people, talk to people. Something different. <laughs> we had pastries. We fellowshiped together. I often wonder when I read scripture and I read that Jesus went to someone's house, Zacchaeus' house, for dinner. What did that look like? How did that play out? What was going on? What were the conversations? What was eaten? Who was tidying up? Who was preparing the food? Who was doing all it? Scripture doesn't tell us, but it happened. And for us, just stopping and doing that, I felt was really important to just kind of learn a little bit more about how Jesus operates. And Jesus doesn't always operate by preaching from a mountain. Jesus often operates around a meal table, and in fact, I think it's one of the primary ways that he operates. And it's something for us to learn as Christians. When I went to a Sikh Gurdwara as part of a school trip, they fed us, and they fed us well. It was amazing. They feed the whole community every single day. And I was sitting there kind of like going, what do we do? Now, I know we do do other things for our community, etc. But to feed someone is the primary cause. To feed someone is what Jesus says, doesn't he, at the end. You know, feed uh, those that are hungry, shelter the homeless. It's this primary basic things that we lose sometimes in everything else that we kind of do. So hopefully you are well fed. Hopefully the inside of your masks now are peppered with uh, pastries and tea and coffee. You may have to wash them or throw them away in the appropriate place. Trust is built through fellowship. And we're talking here about how we reach others. Trust is built through fellowship. When people start to trust us, when they trusted Jesus, they looked, they followed him, they listened to everything he had to say. And following on from this trusting and this fellowship, it says, um, if we go to the next slide, please, Martin, who's just finishing off a pastry by the looks of it. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> Look at that, I caught him on the hop. Look. That's it. No. Go back a bit. Yeah, this will do. In scripture, it tells us to heal the sick in in, in this Luke 10 bit. For the disciples at the time, that's exactly what they did. We've actually got the same access to that supernatural healing, believe it or not. We can heal people through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that strongly. And I believe actually it's through our closeness to God and and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives that we can have the confidence to know that we can lay a hand on someone and pray for their healing. Scripture tells us we can do that. 
I know sometimes I'm not confident to do that. But actually God says that you can heal them. Jesus says you'll go and do greater things than I. So don't think that we can't meet the needs of actually praying for the sick. As you can see on the slide, there are other ways that we can meet people's felt needs. Uh, Loaning somebody a car. Someone's loaned me a car that I can drive around Billericay. Just loan me this little car. That's all I'm going to say. It's wonderful. (laughs) It whips me around Billericay and it's got a big G on the seats. How amazing is that? Vauxhall Aguila. You can get other cars, by the way, as well. Just don't want to... Christians Against Poverty. How many people um, we may engage with and encounter that have got some serious debt issues? Now, it's not saying actually that's something you've got to deal with, but we have got the skills and the expertise within this room right now that people could help. The skills and expertise that are in this room for all different walks of life are quite amazing. If we did a HR on it and f- f- tried to find out what everyone... You know what I mean? It'd just be like, wow, wow, that is awesome. Praying for people. Kids, have you ever lost a coat? <laughs> I know you have because I see plenty of them out there sometimes after Girls Brigade and Boys Brigade. But you might have a friend that has lost their coat and your coat's fine and you've got a jumper on it. You could actually meet that need of just saying, well... Have my coat. I know there'll be lots of parents going, no, it cost me a lot of money. That is that really is that really the issue that it costs a lot of money when actually someone else might actually be freezing cold? There's actually a special organisation that, that that could give coats out to homeless people. It's just like all I'm saying here is that when you meet with people, you start to find out the needs they have. It could be something you say, I can pray for you in that. It could be as simple as, I've got two of those, you can borrow it. Or have it. Don't worry about borrowing it. Have it. Go the extra mile. You may find that as you spend more time with these people of peace, you can offer to pray for them. Whatever situation they might find themselves in. I know, I know some people that I've been chatting to and the situation they're in, and I'm praying for them. I wouldn't want to be in their situation. It's as simple as that. It's horrible. But we're called to pray. We're called to minister. And we need to do that. And this third part allows you to minister to people. We are a priesthood of all believers, yeah? Do you believe that just R-E-V in the front of someone's name actually qualifies them greater than you? It doesn't. I'm sorry. Might go to Bible college and everything else like that, but you guys are ministers as well. Ministering to one another and ministering to our community is very important. Drawing alongside them, seeing them healed in their felt needs. This is also a good time to let them know that they can pray. I've said it to a few people. I said, you know, you can pray. He said, oh, I've been praying. Oh, wow, you've been praying? Excellent. Keep going. I've yet to find someone, if I said to them, would you like me to pray for them? They've said no. Who isn't a Christian? I've yet to find them. Every single time. It might be like there and then. Done it at the football club a couple of times. (laughs) 
can we pray for you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I didn't expect you to say yes. <laughs> but it happens. And this is the part of scripture that I love. It says there when you felt you, you, you meet the needs. Um, go from house to house, enter a town. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is near. This is the point in the, the, the conversation you might have with someone is they actually say, why do you do this? Who is this God that you follow? I believe this is the opportunity. Should we go on the next slide, actually. There we go. The kingdom comes. I personally believe... This is the easiest part of the whole transaction. The hardest part is probably trying to find a person of peace and getting to know them and having the fellowship and everything else like that, meeting needs. But actually, then when it gets to the point where I say, well, what is this that you're doing? Why? The kingdom comes. I believe this is a complete role reversal of how we kind of do things in the West of evangelism and mission. Let's put something on, people will come to it, and we hope that they'll become Christians. It does work. My parents became Christians through a Louis Palau concert at Queen's Park Rangers. That big call back in the 70s, that it kind of happened. It happened a little bit less these days, but actually I think in Scripture, this is the way that Jesus wants to do it. So this fourth part of what Jesus is saying is about proclaiming the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And it is good news, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is good news. I often wonder. Do you know, yesterday I was cheering and shouting, jumping out of my seat to much pain as Spurs beat Man City 3-2. I mean, yes! I cheer more for Tottenham than I do for Jesus sometimes. And that's a personal challenge. I don't know, sometimes I don't. (laughs) Sometimes I really shout at them. But actually, I just have to think of what do I get passionate about? What do I get really passionate about? And I I just, I'm not, I want us to be heavy about it, but I just want us to think about our friends, about our neighbours, about the people in our community that we need to shout about. And we need to be saying, we need to save these people. It's really important for us, and I believe this is a great strategy. So what I'm going to say now to finish off... No, have we got a song? Have we got another song, actually? <laughs> trying to think. I'll carry on. I think I'll carry on. Is that all right? So conscious of time. Children, you all right with me waffling on a little bit more? Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, I believe Jesus has got a plan here. This is a strategy. It's not just, it just happened. Jesus has got a strategy. He's telling the 72 to go and do this, to find these people, to to work, to, to, to meet needs, and the kingdom will come. I'd love for you to go away from here as individuals, as families, to think and start thinking strategically about that one person or that one family 
of peace that you know and you've been getting to know. Not everyone, just that one. Just that one. And it's going to take a bit of time. But the strategy is, you will know that there are people of peace. Maybe, maybe it's somebody at Girls' Brigade or Boys' Brigade uh, or toddlers or who, wherever it is that you've, you've encountered someone that you really like, you've got on with them, is a good friendship growing. But maybe as, as kids you're kind of like thinking, I'd love for them to come round and have a meal. Mum, Dad, can so-and-so come round to have a meal? Mum, Dad, yeah, let's invite the whole family. <laughs> That'd be cool. If every single individual and every single family in this church made a strategy to think and pray about who, what would this church be like in a year, two years, three years, four years? How full would it be with people that have got to know Jesus through your actions? I just ponder that. Plan this out. Treat it like it's a battle for their souls. I intentionally sat down yesterday to watch the football. So we can intentionally think and pray about people that we know, that we, we have this kind of relationship with. Don't try and go for the person that moans at you all the time because you park slightly an inch past their driveway or something like that. Which don't do that because that's really bad. They're kind of maybe they're not. The, Jesus is talking about people of peace here that have got that shalom inside. Plan how to bless them. Put on a fantastic barbecue meal, whatever it might be, picnic. Just bless them. Plan times of fellowship to build trust. As you get to know people more and more, they get to trust you. That is a, that's the key thing I found, that people will trust you. And when they start to trust you, they start to open up. Plan how to minister. What are their needs that you're aware of? Actually, how can we as a church help you to meet their needs? How can we, we've got resources, how can we help? What are their needs? Listen well. For all the doctors that are in the house, they listen. They don't tell you what's wrong with you. They want to listen to what is wrong. You tell them. That's what Luke was. Luke was listening to what was being told and he wrote it down meticulously. Plan what you would say if they asked the question. Who is this Jesus? I know for some it would be like, um, 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 Gary. <laughs> I hope it wouldn't be. I hope it would literally be, oh, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me show you in scripture. And I would say the most important thing is get your own back up through prayer warriors. If we're intentional about this, we need to cover each other's backs as well. If we truly want to reach the community, we've got to do this through prayer, 
through prayer support, through strategy, intentionality. Now there's some big words there that I'm not sure what they mean sometimes. And the last little bit of Luke 10, that I'm going to read. 17 to 20. I love this. This is the response from what happened. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. Jesus gave these disciples the 72 authority. Jesus gives us authority. It goes on to say to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And this is the bit that is really key for us personally. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. And if they're not, do something about it. Check yourself. Check where you are with Jesus. Check your relationship with God. It's no good saying let's go and find a person of peace when you yourself aren't right. I know we're not right all the time and everything else like this, but actually being a person of peace is by drawing closer and closer to Jesus. Easy to say, difficult to do sometimes, I know. But you have authority. And this is going to take time. I mean, it might be great next Sunday that actually the church is absolutely packed, brimming over full with all these families that the rest of the week you invited around for meals and trust is built and all this kind of stuff. I don't think it's going to happen in one week. This needs to be long term kind of plan. I don't know how long, it doesn't say specifically how long these disciples were out doing their thing. They were out for a length of time, they returned, and then Jesus then went into those towns, and all the groundwork had been done. Bang, the kingdom came. Wouldn't that be awesome for Billericay? And there's the Love Essex thing, the Love Billericay kind of thing going on as well. So if we jump on every single bandwagon that kind of comes along, it's about this, us as a church, us as a church family. Ed, I'm going to finish with this bit and then I'll pray. Well, a song as well. There's a bit in this book which actually made me think as well. Um, that he, and I'll, I'll, I'll read this out. Be patient. We live in an age where we're not patient. We want it now. Now, Amazon, quick, order. There are other, obviously, online retailers as well. But that's it. We want it now. Be patient. Even a master fisherman cannot force the fish to bite. Fishing for souls also requires patience. Long-term strategy. Long-term strategy. Fishing for souls takes time. It's about being patient. It's about knowing when to strike, when to pull.
Let me pray and then we'll sing. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your son. I thank you that, that Jesus just gives us this amazing example in Luke 10 of how we are to reach people. Lord, would you help us as a church to model that in a, in a, in a modern day society? Probably a lot more difficult. But Father, through your Holy Spirit, I know that you can do it. And you can do it through us. And Father, I pray everybody just hearing this this morning will go away really thinking, who's this person of peace? Am I a person of peace? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. In Jesus' name. Amen.